gentlemen, or however you identify yourself. My name's Sean, and this is the latest edition of the Finger Guns podcast. I would tell you what number podcast this is of our running series, but I've forgotten there are so many. It's more than 100, but less than 200. So let's just say that. This week, I'm going to host this podcast, and I'm joined by the incomparable Miles Thompson. How are you? <laughs> almost got my name wrong there. You recovered that. <laughs> I know. I almost called you on Anderson. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's okay. Everyone's doing it now. I think it's just part of life, you know? Um, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Been uh, very busy in the last kind of week or two. Um, had a stag do, um, which I think went up on the Twitter um, about one of the reviews I was writing. Um, but yeah, otherwise just been quite busy and then just had a bit more of a chilled weekend just to kind of recover and catch up with myself, which has been nice. And compared to previous podcasts, I hope I sound a lot better. <laughs> so you, you do sound great. Brilliant. So hoping to keep that. Um, how are you, Sean? I'm very well. I just want to comment on the fact that you went for a stag do and it took you a whole week to recover, which is how you know you've had a good stag do. Oh, yeah, it was <laughs> it was top. It took I think the first day coming back was not pleasant. I had to get a train back down from Manchester Ooh. and it was it was a bad time. I have a picture from it that someone took of me and it, it, it should never just it should just never see the light of day ever again. Um, and then I think I recovered after about three days. I think I got back to normal again. Just about. Ouch. See, I refuse. Yeah, I refuse to drink the day before a train now. Because I once went to a gig to go and see um, Enter Chikari in Preston. And oh, nice. I, I spent all night drinking and had to get the ne- the morning train back to Stoke. And oh, no, I was yeah. so very violently ill on this train. <laughs> and I drank copious amounts of Cherry VK that night before. <laughs> Cherry VK. <laughs> Cherry VK. It was the only thing that was going like for cheap oh, on the student bars. So amazing. Was, um, yeah, let's just say that was not a pretty picture. And uh, three for five pound VKs, that's what gets you. <laughs> that's it, yeah, it was. Well, that was the <laughs> the days. Uh, I'm very well, and um, yeah, it's just us two this week. Um, there is? seems to be some some kind of miscommunication around somewhere, but it's just me and you, and we're gonna have a nice little podcast. And we're we're gonna we're gonna do a quiz, even though it's just you, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> given my previous quiz, uh, <laughs> successes or failures. Uh, this is gonna be interesting. Look, you can guarantee to win this one. Let's just say, uh, I mean, you say that, but if I get them all wrong, I don't think anyone wins, do they? <laughs> I win. That's, that's yeah, the quiz master wins. <laughs> okay, uh, let's start off with your game of the week. What have you been playing this week, Miles? So my main one, I've got two, but I'll focus on one really. Um, my main one is King's Bounty 2, um, which is a turn-based action RPG set in a kind of medieval fantasy kind of world. Um, and it's pretty good. Um, it's got a lot of problems. And obviously in my review, which you can read up on the website, um, I was quite critical of it, but at the same time, I think I've played almost 25 to 30 hours of it now. Um, and I've even carried on playing a bit more since finishing reviewing it as well. Um, because there's just something about it that just kind of works, despite the fact that all of the pieces of the game are just really underdeveloped. So it's a game that clearly shows it's not got the biggest budget, um, but the combat system is so in-depth and there's so many different things in terms of abilities. So you select a kind of wide range of units, you go to vendors, you purchase different forms of armies, and you can have a maximum of five per battle that you can use at any one time. Um, and each unit has their own distinct abilities. You can cast spells, of which there's kind of multiple different types. Um, there's kind of RPG elements, so you kind of there's a lot of kind of decision making, and you can follow four different kind of trees. So it's order versus anarchy, or finesse versus power. I think it is. Um, 
and all of your kind of upgrades are then tied to those trees so if you make kind of all order decisions you'll only be able to access the higher tiers of the order upgrades and so on and so forth for all the rest so there's a lot to it and there's a lot of kind of depth to it and if you really want to invest yourself in the world um, you can do some quite nice role playing um, but I did find it all a little bit kind of counterintuitive at times. So effectively, because I'd chosen order and finesse from the start, I effectively never chose anything else because I thought if I need to, if I want to max out those trees, I can't, you know, experiment or try anything else. Um, graphically, it's not amazing. The, the design is nice, but the actual graphics themselves are pretty PS3 era. Um, there was this weird kind of juttering that happened every couple of seconds all the time throughout my entire playtime. Um, the dialogue <laughs> and the voice acting, I kid you not, is some of the worst I've ever heard. Um, it's almost one of those where I wish they just made it text dialogue instead of actually voice recording it. Um, so the story to me was just, you know, very, very skippable. Um, but I genuinely had a really good time. And the actual combat system is excellent. And I think if you're into turn-based uh, combat systems or you like a good RPG kind of fantasy world, you know, I think there is a lot here that you can like. Just go into it with your expectations, you know, middling. Don't expect a high-range AAA title. Um, but yeah, I had a really good time with it. And, um, you know, I'd recommend it if you're a fan of those kind of genres. But if not, you know, you might want to check it out online first before you commit to it. Um, so yeah, that was mine for the week. Excellent. What was the other game that we were going to talk about? Oh, Blair Witch VR. Because um, I didn't play it when it first came out on PS4. Um, so I've only played the VR version and I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I wasn't expecting too, too much of it, um, but it works pretty well in the VR system. And again, I kind of made the point in my review that actually, I think if I would played the original just on console with a controller, I don't really think I'd have got much out of it, but as a VR title, it works quite well because the sense of foreboding and they're kind of getting disorientated in the forest, it works really nicely when you're in the VR headset and the audio design is really good. So those kind of crackles or those kind of ambient sound effects that are designed to creep you out, they work so much better in VR because it's quite much more visceral. Um, and I think if that was just coming out of your TV or even if you just had a controller and headphones, I just don't think it would be quite the same. Um, so yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with it. Again, it's another game that was a bit limited. It's quite short. I think it clocked in about four to five hours. Um, and, you know, the gameplay mechanics are really simplistic. You know, the puzzles are easy, the, the combat's not really combat. Um, so the main thing that you're going to get out of it is that sense of kind of atmosphere and that sense of kind of isolation of traveling along with a dog. And you can pet the dog and give it treats and you can create a bond with the dog. So, you know, game of the year right there. But news. I, I've always wanted, so I didn't play the original uh, when it came out. I've really been tempted by the VR version. Um, I'm just still waiting on my connection for the PS5. You know, the like the PSVR connection. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mine came down quite quickly when I ordered it. I think I got it a few months ago. Uh, but I check up on that. Yeah, you um, might want to find out. It's just this tiny little uh, connector thing. Um, yeah, I think mine came within like a week or two. Oh, dear. I better sort that out. <laughs> yeah, you might want to get onto that. <laughs> Oops. Okay. Um, so my game of the week is something called Rustler, and it's been out on PC for uh, quite a few months now, I think, uh, but it's coming to console. If you're listening to the day that this podcast goes up, it, it comes out today on consoles. And it is essentially a recreation of the original Grand Theft Auto game. So like Grand, Th Grand Theft Auto 1 and 2, you know, the top-down uh, kind of open world slash actually quite linear because it's compact into like city parts that don't open up over time. It's 
it's basically a recreation of those, but set in medieval times. And it is wild. Um, it recreates pretty much everything that you remember about those games, but in, in this weird, um, like, comedy medieval setting. So even when you get the game in, and I don't know if you remember this, but if, you, if you're old enough to play Grand Theft Auto 2, when you kick the game in, you were treated to like a live action intro, which had this like car chase and stuff. Basically, they've recreated that, but set in a medieval time where you've got like this bald uh, rustler who's basically this horse thief, um, who then has like a horse chase and a fight. And it's basically a recreation of that original video. And it's really funny because a lot of what you've got in that, like the original Grand Theft Auto games has been a kind of twisted to fit this medieval thing. So like radios are now bards that you can you can hire. So you can hire a bard to walk behind you with his loot and you get like uh, beatboxing bards on street corners and stuff. Um, but it is, much like those games were, clunky as ever-loving shit. It is it's so clunky, but in an endearing way. Like, it, this isn't like a top-down 2D game. This has been transitioned into 3D, and the camera does move a little bit, but it's still really rough sometimes to, to get your head around. So at one point, I was doing this quest where I was having to... This butcher wanted a cow from somebody who would not sell the cow. So I went down to the cow and then had to basically whack the cow with a stick and walk it all the way from the field where it started to the butcher. And along the way, people would randomly attack. And the first time I was playing this, I just didn't see the fact that as I was like whacking this cow, I was going under some kind of bridge and three people started to attack me. And I didn't even realize until I was dead. And when you die, it goes condemned. <laughs> and um, it, everything about the game is basically recreation of, of all the good and bad of those original GTA games. If you've got good memories of them, go and play, go and play this game. But also, if you if you remember how clunky they are and can accept that, you're going to get much more out of this than if you go into it thinking, "Oh, it's it's GTA with medieval." Because, like those original GTA games, they they kind of had so many rough edges, and you know you you've got to be able to accept the fact that you will go to a quest giver and they'll go, "Go and kill this guy," and that's all you're going to get, <laughs> because that's all it's going to give you. Um, it is funny. There is a couple of the games that have tried to do this, like 3D conversion of the original GTA. I think it was called like American Fugitive. If you played American Fugitive and you like that, you'll like this because it's kind of the same just without weapons, without guns, sorry. You do get weapons. At one point, I dressed up like the Grim Reaper in order to kill people because the Gravedigger didn't have enough business. So <laughs> it's, just, it's just a comedy game that if you liked those original GTA games, you're going to get something out of. That was such a journey to listen to. I'm not going to lie. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And it was just, it's just one of those, I, I'm still, I'm still playing it. The game, I, the, the review embargo is up right now. I should have had a review up for it at three o'clock, but I've just been so absorbed with the game. And I've, I've been actually struggling to get. So one of the things that's really tough about it is the fact that it is old school tough. Like you'll start a mission and it'll go, go and kill this guy. And you'll turn up at the place and then five other guys will jump out with swords and shields. And you'll be like, oh shit. And you've, you've only got like a, so you, you get a cross crossbow, but it has to reload after every shot. Oh my so, God. <laughs> so it's like, it's properly like transitioned what was, was, was decent about the old GTA games into this medieval setting. 
and you were talking about um how king's bounty 2 had like bad dialogue in this yeah. everyone is like drunk and is it so it's just like oh yeah yeah the banjo kazooie style of dialogue <laughs> yeah and, and and some conversations go on for quite a while so i'm just sitting there and my kids are po- like poking the head around the, the door like what the hell's going on anyway um that was my game of the week. I played so many other games this week, um, but there's a couple that I can't talk about, and some that I haven't played enough to be able to say. But like, let's just say this next couple of weeks are going to be so jam-packed to reviews on the website that make sure you go out and check fingerguns.net because it's going to be sweet. So that was a really quick game of the week segment, I think. <laughs> um, it definitely was. Let's do a quiz. Oh, God. And when I say quiz, I'm just going to ask you these questions, and you're going to you're going to see when you can guess what the answer is. I'm just going to say this. This is the the kind of same quiz that we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. Basically, I've got 10 games, each with five facts. um, And I think you're going to be playing against the listener this time. So um, I'm going to read out all five facts. You just stop me when you think you know in your time. (laughs) Can I still use my buzzer? Yeah, you can still. Tell me your buzzer. What's your buzzer this time? Okay. I'm, I'm using a previous one again. Finish him. Did you nice. get that? I did. Finish him. Nice. nice. Cool. Okay. So, question one. This game is an action RPG released in 2015 and was developed by Bethesda. Finish him. Miles. <laughs> Fallout 4? Correct. Yes. No way. Yes. Oh, come on. This is going to be the one quiz I do really well at and I've got no one to beat. Oh. Oh. So, um... Let me just, uh, so the other facts were going to be four, the main story takes place in the year 2287. Fact three was going to be with almost 470,000 concurrent Steam players on launch day, this game broke Grand Theft Auto V's record for having the most concurrent online players in a Steam game not developed by Valve. Fact four was going to be the game is set in a post-apocalyptic version of Boston and its surroundings. And question, uh, sorry, the fact five was going to be one of the game's companions is called Dogmeat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Gotta have Dogmeat, what a legend. Absolutely. Do you know, I, I the first time I played through that, I didn't like, this was launch day, didn't meet Dogmeat. Oh, what? He's, like, he's the best part of the game. I know, I just completely just, just walked straight past him. I just know. went out of that first, first kind of... Um, location just didn't didn't meet him and just carried on and then <laughs> l- later on everyone was like did you get dog meat i was like who's dog meat so then you know <laughs> oh, no. after finishing the game went back and found the dog anyway it's just to chill in there waiting for you <laughs> right uh game two this is an open world action adventure game released in 2013 uh, I want to say Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. No. Oh, okay. okay. F- fact two, the game has three protagonists. Oh. Finish him. Miles? Grand Theft Auto 5. Correct! Yes! <laughs> you did so, did so good. <laughs> uh, so fact three would have been it's set within the fictional state of San Andreas based on Southern California. Uh, question, sorry, mm-hmm. fact five, sorry, four would have been the second best-selling game of all time. And um, fact five, this was the cat fact, who I knew would not have known this game. 
Um, it stars a drug dealer and arms smuggler called Trevor Phillips. Oh, nice. Fair. Yeah, that's a nice <laughs> one to finish on. Yes. Uh, okay, game three. Um, question, sorry, fact one is a 3D platformer platformer collection released in 2018. Oh, boy. Um... Finish him. Miles. Spyro Reignited Trilogy? Correct. Oh my god, why <laughs> is this the one week? What's it on? Oh, I'm going to get you a little trophy anyway, I think. Please. Um, so the second fact would have been a collection of games originally developed by Insomniac Games. Fact three would have been it was developed by Toys for Bob. Fact four, it features an antagonist called the Nasty Nork and Ripto. Oh, nice. Fact five, it features a purple dragon protagonist. <laughs> and this is where Kat would have freaked out in the podcast and gone mad if she hadn't got it. Bigger, bigger, bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, question four. It, this game is a comedy puzzle stealth game released in 2019. A comedy puzzle stealth game. Oh. No, not yet. Fact two. The game was re- revealed in October 2017 with a trailer that instantly went viral. Oh, man. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to kick myself for not knowing this one. Okay. No, not yet. Fact three, it was designed, the design of the game was inspired by Mario 64 and the Hitman series. Which I think is a bit of a red herring, but I think it's important. Oh, okay. Uh... Hitman series. Um, nope, still not got it. Fact four: the game was originally inspired by a stock photograph of an animal. Oh, <laughs> Miles. I don't. I don't even think this is. No, it's not right. No, the one I'm thinking of. No, it's not. Um, oh, I still don't know. Go on, give me the last one. Honk. Oh. <laughs> Miles, it's the goose game. It is. It's untitled goose game. Yeah. Oh, but where's the hitman bit of it? Well, you have to like stealthy and change. Like you, you basically have to blend in with the statue at one point. I don't. Uh... Understand. So House House have, have credited both Super Mario sixty four and Hitman as the game design inspirations. Oh, that hitman bit threw me off completely. I know. Which is, <laughs> like I put that in there and then realized as saying it, that's a bit of a red herring though. It is, yeah. And, okay. Well you did tell me it was, but there we are. Question five. Okay. Uh it's a survival horror game released in 2014. Oh okay. Finish him. Miles. Alien isolation. Correct. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> This is like the best quiz performance I'm going to have ever. And no one's here to witness them. So no sorry. one is going to appreciate it. Okay. Uh, the second fact was it was developed by Creative Assembly. The third fact was it was published by Sega. The fourth fact was that it's associated with an iconic movie series. And the fifth fact is in the game, you play as Amanda Ripley. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's a nice, easy one to finish on. <laughs> uh, game six. It is an action adventure game released in 2010. Finish him. Miles. Dead Space 2. No. Oh. Uh, fact 2. It was developed by Remedy Games. Oh, that's interesting. Um... <laughs> oh, which one is it? Finish him. Miles. 
uh, I think I may have got this wrong, but is it Quantum Break? It's not. Oh, right. Um, fact three, the game is set in a place called Bright Falls. No, not yet. Okay, fact four, it has links to 2019's game Control. Oh, what's it called? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Miles? Alan Wake. Correct! Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> the last fact was going to be the story follows best-selling thriller novelist, follows a best-selling thriller novelist as he tries to uncover the mystery behind his wife's disappearance. Well, that, that was a, a mouthy fact. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's almost like the, the kind of blurb of the game. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't know like what else to say about that because it's like, it's Alan Wake. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, game seven. Uh, fact one, an open world action adventure game released in 2018. Finish. Miles? Uh, I'm going to go Red Dead Redemption 2. No. Okay. Good, good punt, though. Okay. Fact two, you can choose either a male or female protagonist, which alters the antagonist. Miles? Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Correct! Yeah, there it is. <laughs> uh, so the third fact was going to be it's the 11th mainline release for a long-running series. Uh, fact four was it's set in the year 431 to 422 BC during the Pelop- Peloponnesian War. Well, nice. <laughs> so glad I managed to say that. And um, <laughs> yeah. uh, the last fact is, it's one of the protagon- one of the protagonists is called Cassandra. Ah, oh, nice, yeah. Um, fa- so question game eight. Sorry, um, the game is an open world action adventure game released in two thousand and fourteen. Miles, Dragon Age Inquisition. No. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. Um. Fact two, it was developed and published by Ubisoft. Oh, <laughs> Miles. Is it Assassin's Creed Black Flag? It's not. Oh, no. <laughs> so close. Um, fact three, it spawned two mainline sequels. Oh, boy. Um, I feel like I'm being really done with this one. Finish him. Miles. Mark Cry 4? No. Oh, God. Um, fact four, it was set in a fictional version of Chicago. Oh. Finish him. Miles? Watchdogs. Correct. Yes, there it is. And the final fact was going to be the lead character is called Aiden Pierce. Ah, oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad I got it before that one came up. That would have just been like... <laughs> okay, uh, question nine. This is a PlayStation 4 exclusive game released in 2014. Finish him. Miles? Bloodborne. No. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Fact two, it's an open world game. Open world. Oh, this is, this is tough for this one. I can't remember back then. I was at uni. Um, See, this, this was a tough year. This, oh. this was a year when nothing happened. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, God, I spent most of my uni life quite drunk, so it doesn't really help matters <laughs> either. Uh, nope, not got it yet. Okay, fact three. The voice actor Troy Baker provides the voice for the lead character. Oh. Oh. Finish him. Miles? Infamous second son? Correct. Oh, there it is. 
the other two facts were going to be the game is predominantly set in Seattle and uh, fact five was going to be the lead character is classified as a conduit. Oh, okay. And finally, question 10 of this solo quiz. Um, <laughs> fact one. I think I'm doing all right. <laughs> you're doing really well. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great. I think you're winning, man. I think, you're winning. I, think I might be in the lead. <laughs> question 10. Uh, an action platformer released in 2021. Oh boy, uh, I'm not usually very good with action platformers. Um... I'll give you the no. second fact. Yeah. It's a sequel to a game released in 2005. Oh my god, what? Um... No, that doesn't help me much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fact three the developers acquired part of its financial capital to fund the development of this game via crowdfunding on Fig. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, no, still nothing. Okay. Fact four, it was developed by Double Fine. Oh. Oh, I know them. Oh, my God. No, I still don't have it, to be fair. Still nothing. Fact five, it features a protagonist <laughs> called Rasputin Raz Aquato. What is this game? <laughs> really? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think I know this one. Okay, the game is Psychonauts Two. Oh yeah, no, I never played the original. It wasn't my kind of thing. Fair enough. Okay, so you actually got five, nine, fourteen, fifteen, twenty, twenty-two. You you nearly got thirty points here. Well I mean, I'll take that. I'll take it. I was very concerned that I wasn't even going to hit 10. So I'll, I will absolutely take that. <laughs> that was the high scoring of anybody of anything on this. And obviously you're not competing against anyone, but I think you've set a new high. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well I can uh, I can take that as like my finger guns achievement is that I've set the highest quiz score for the new format. Well, that's it. I mean, every time everyone has a quiz now, you can just rub this in the face. <laughs> yeah, because when I'll be competing, the maximum you can get is like 10 points at once. But, you know, I'll always have almost 30. So I'll take that. That's it. Well done. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much for a good quiz. <laughs> Hello, Roscoe. Hi, guys. Welcome, sir. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. Life got away from me very, very madly today. <laughs> it's okay. I'm I mean, you lost at the quiz, mainly because you weren't here, but we're going to, you know, not, not, not dwell on that too, too much. That's all right. How did you get on on the quiz, Miles? Well, the moment you joined was where it actually kind of got a little bit worse. But the first three questions, I think I got five, four and five, was it, I think? Yeah, he smashed so it. I did pretty well at the start. All he got was genre oh. and year of release, and he absolutely smashed it. It's embarrassing. I just went on last week. Last week was my crowning achievement in the quiz, but... What, last week? Yeah, I'm glad you were in here because I was very proud of it last week. Oh, yeah? Did you do well? <laughs> I did! I did. Yeah, yeah. Kat was angry at me again because <laughs> she gave away an answer that I took again. Oh, no. She's got but, some um, doing that. She just yeah. keeps giving you freebies. She does. <laughs> <laughs> right then. Hi, everyone. Um, I do I do apologise for my for my lateness. Howdy, Sean and Miles. How are you doing? Hello, Hello sir. Good, good, good. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a weird day. I'll talk to you about it one day. It's been very strange. Uh, right then, um, I will jump in because uh, we do have to discuss the um, the freaking events that we've had this week. We've had two major things. We've had the Gamescom One Night Live and, of course, the Xbox Gamescom. And it's been a bit of a weird one because, well, 
did you see the Xbox show? <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys actually uh, saw anything or caught up, but um, did you see any highlights from the Xbox show that you want to discuss? Yeah, I'm really into trebuchets now. Um... <laughs> oh my good lord! You... <laughs> that was a that that was a thing, wasn't it? Bloody hell! I I tapped out at that point. I was watching along and I tapped out at that point, and then I came back and watched the rest and wish I hadn't. So, yeah. Well done, Xbox. Uh, yeah, the, the Xbox show certainly was something. Um, I guess that's the best way to uh, to go for it. They seem to have lost all of their best announcements to the Gamescom opening night live show uh, because everything that people were looking for in the Xbox show ended up being in the Gamescom show, kind of like the Halo release date. Anything to do with Halo essentially was just moved over. Jess Keeley must have stolen it away from them. Um, Miles, did you see anything or have you heard of any highlights from the Xbox show? Uh, I caught up with the, was it the opening night live one? Um, I haven't caught up with the, was there a specific Xbox one? Because I think I may have missed that. I think uh, was... There was the night before, yeah. Oh God, I think I was too drunk or hung over at that point. Um... That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I understand. Um, but I did catch up with the opening night live, which there were some bits on there which were quite interesting. Um, the extended Death Stranding stuff was quite cool. Um, and I think because I've only caught up on like the highlight stuff, I kind of skipped all of the, the trebuchet jargony stuff, um, which sounds like I didn't miss too much, to be honest, from what you guys have said. Um, uh, well, yeah, I mean, if you're wondering what the hell we're talking yeah. about, when we mentioned <laughs> the trebuchet, um, Age of Empires 4 uh, is due on October 28th, and they went into, com- went into extreme detail about how a trebuchet works in the middle of this game conference, and uh. it was... Hmm. It was kind of interesting out of context, sure, but we just wanted to hear about the games and there was nothing there, really. So it's, it's a very weird thing to just kind of throw into your conference of, oh, yeah, you're coming here to see this game, but we're just going to show you an extended look of a trebuchet and how they work. Yeah. It's like, cool. Yeah, okay. I, I'd love to watch that if I was watching the History Channel, but I'm not. <laughs> I'll, uh, yeah, I'll send you the link. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. I can't it's wait. It's a wonderful thing. Um, <laughs> we did get a look at Dying Light 2. Uh, which is still due for October. Um, it's still looking pretty great. Another fantastic trailer for that. And um, a nose at Flight Simulator. I think Germany's coming to Flight Simulator. There you go. There's an announcement uh, for you. Woohoo! And yeah, the Top Gun Maverick stuff is still looking pretty cool. And that, what there was there, though, there was an indie montage uh, with the Humble Bundle is coming to Game Pass. Um, so there were some cracking games um, announced for this. Uh, Archvale, Next Space Rebels, Midnight Fight Express, which looks fantastic. Poseidon, Poseidon, Flynn, Unpacking, Signalist, Unsighted, Dodgeball Academia, and Chinatown Detective Agency, all coming day one to Game Pass on the day of release, which is pretty damn awesome. Uh, Sean, you're the you're, you're the indie king. Are you happy with this lineup? Yeah, this is kind of rounding up. So all of these announcements were kind of made uh, around E3 time. Like a lot of these games had already been announced for Games Pass and Xbox. I think it was just great to get them all in a last sizzle reel because it really kind of punctuated the fact that, you know, Humble Bundle, I've got some pretty great games that they're publishing. I mean, unpacking for all the game my game of the year, just because mm. of how zen it looks, unpacking a, a room and putting stuff in the right place. You know, that is that is ASMR for your brain in its own. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just the, the, the games there look great. Um, some, you know, I'm probably not going to be that interested in when they come around to release, but because just Jesus Christ, there's so many games right now. Um, yes. <laughs> wrote an indie game list, got 40 games down to 25. Just this month, 
God damn it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, just September. If you go live on Fingers on there right now, you'll see a fantastic list they were by Sean of 25 indie games that are just coming out this month that we all want to play. It's, yeah, it's madness, um, including Kina, which is finally coming out this month. Very exciting. Um, I mean, the Gamescom one that live was a little bit more exciting. Uh, myself and Toby did do a full reaction podcast, um, the previous episode on the podcast list. So if you go back, you'll be able to listen to it. But I did want to get the opinions of uh, Sean and Mars as well on this one because it was better uh, than the Xbox show. That's absolutely guaranteed in terms of announcements. Um, and I guess we'll kick off with the first uh, look at the new Saints Row. This is causing a lot of controversy this week. People don't seem to be overly happy about this. Uh, Miles, did you did you catch the new Saints Row footage? What do you think? Yeah, this was one of the ones I actually did manage to catch um, a little bit close to the time after it happened. Um, so I haven't played Saints Row 1 and 2, but I played a lot of 3 and 4. I've platinum both of them. And I played Gal of Hell as well, which I thoroughly enjoyed all of them. I, I really like the kind of style and uh, I know the comedy is not for everyone, but I quite enjoy it. Um, so the new one kind of looks like a weird, like mismatch of uh, the kind of old and newer style. Um, is it? Is it like a remake of the original? I couldn't really tell whether it's like a remake of the original, which is like a reimagining, or whether it's like a whole new entry, like a soft reboot of the um, whole it franchise. Looks, it looks to be a soft reboot. Yeah. Um, Toby and I got, sort of came to that conclusion after I discussed it. I remember I had Agents of Mayhem to uh, to review years ago, and it was so bad. It that was game so bad. was shocking. It was just awful. And I believe that probably went, made them go, okay, we need to take this back to the drawing board. And yeah. Um, yeah, the new Saints Row seems to be a, a mixture of what we know from Saints Row, and it looks just causey. It looks kind of Far Cry in places. Yeah, and definitely. so I think it's got a uh, a kind of a mixture of all sorts of different influences. I think, but yeah, it's definitely a soft reboot for sure. Yeah, that's kind of like the vibe I was getting from the trailer. I mean, the trailer itself was kind of cool as trailers go, but you know, you can never really grasp much from it. But I guess I'm intrigued to see what they're doing with it and how the game is actually going to play. I think if they go a little bit too far away from what made Saints 3 and 4, for me, really fun, like they were just really enjoyable games I could just jump into and have a just a fun time kicking around, causing you know mayhem and just blowing crap up and doing stupid stuff. Yeah. Um, and it looks like they're going to keep that, but the style is going to be slightly different. So, yeah, it's one I'm going to keep my eye on, but I'm a little bit skeptical of what direction they're going to take it before I kind of get excited, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, they did show gameplay. Um, there is, oh, a, is game, a full gameplay reveal on September 1st, so that'll be Wednesday of this week. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have a, a deeper look this week so we can sort of see what it's really all about. But, um, uh, Sean, did you catch things through? What do you, um, what do you make of the new direction? I, I like it. I, I Immediately, I was kind of taken aback by the art style that we've chosen. And I get the feeling that they've gone with, huh, some things are really, really popular right now. Let's kind of lean into that a little bit more. Mm, sure. And I for sure feel like Fortnite has had an influence on the character design. And that's not a bad thing because pretty much everything looks like Fortnite. And I think it's, it's a really smart way of doing that. So the way I look at this is, I, I've enjoyed every Saints Row game. I, you know, everyone that's available to platinum, I've platinumed. Back in the day, I used to rinse the the original Saints Row and Saints Row Two on the Xbox, and it it's evolved, but also um, they've all been good in their own ways. I feel like they're going back to the original roots because they went too far wacky with like Agents of Mayhem, and with the last one, it felt more like Crackdown than it did a Saints Row game, which is fine because I, I enjoyed that as, as a game in its own right. 
but also that wasn't Saints Row anymore. So I feel like they're going back to their roots with the kind of low, you know, it's going to be a wacky crime fighting, sorry, not, not fighting, a wacky crime game, but also they are probably going to be one of the only new games of that genre for a long time because there's no Grand Theft Auto to play against right now. You know, the new one is years away and Saints Row doesn't look that far away. You know, they're showing off gameplay now, which means it's it's probably a wise choice to pick that art style to, to get in the people that have grown up on Fortnite. And I say this in the nicest possible way, but there are people that have been playing Fortnite for now a couple of years and have now crossed into the, I want a more adult game territory. And they're going to get a Saints Row game in that style. And I think it's a really smart thing to do. I don't know if it's going to be for me. I'm, I'm, I, the gameplay I've seen is like, cool, I'm on board with that. But also, I want to see the full gameplay reveal because um, I don't want to part with probably 70 quid at, at mm. that point uh, if it's going to be just just more of the same. So um, I'm, I'm quietly excited because it's great to see Saints Row back. Um, and like I say, it's a smart art style choice because it could be massive given what we knew about it now. It could be yeah. massive. Yeah, How for about sure. You? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm waiting for the gameplay reveal this week, I think. Um, I, like I said, I wasn't a fan of Saints Row 4 or Ages of Mayhem. So I think they just went off, they just went off the fucking end of the earth with the last two. So I think, I said to Toby, everything that they threw at the wall just sticks with Saints Row. There isn't an idea that they don't implement in some way. And it ends up being very messy and very convoluted. So I hope that there's a little bit more direction with this one. I think that's the uh, the goal for me. Um, and that they have an ending and a story that it doesn't have to make sense. I mean, it's Saints Row, you know, I don't play it for the, for the deep narrative. But yeah, they throw everything at it and they go, yeah, you can have all these weapons and all these guns. And for some reason, it isn't fun. Because it just becomes this 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 complete mishmash of different things that they don't really know what it is, and so I hope that there is more direction um, in the mechanics and the gameplay this time because it should be fun. It's Saints Row for God's sake, so hopefully um, the joy will come out on this new gameplay because I'm not feeling it yet. Uh, but something I did, something that was revealed that I know Sean will probably get super excited about was Marvel Midnight Suns. I've been waiting all week to talk to you about this. Because it looks like um, someone jumped into your brain and created the perfect Sean Davies game. Um, there's no, again, the gameplay is coming out on Wednesday for some reason. It's a big day for gameplay reveals. But um, what did you make of the, uh, the CG trailer for Marvel Midnight Suns? It's tactical RPG from the XCOM guys. I'm excited about what this could be. But also, I'm now of the age where I look at CGI trailer and go, no gameplay, no sale. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been bitten far too many times. I I looked at it and got really excited inside, but also my brain went, uh, I wish they'd led with some gameplay. <laughs> um, I'm sure, you know, when we get to see it on Wednesday, it's going to be great because it's Fire Axis and, you know, they know how to do it. What's, what's really funny is that people are complaining, like comparing this to XCOM, but they keep saying it has absolutely nothing to do with XCOM. It's not going to be like XCOM. Mm. And I'm like, Okay, why does everyone keep comparing it to XCOM? Um, <laughs> <laughs> is it like, because it's just from the same developers that they, they feel that they're going to go down that route, but with just with Marvel characters? I hope so. I hope so. I hope when we see it, it isn't like, ooh, 
it, I hope it isn't um, like XCOM because I feel like XCOM's got its own thing and it would be great to see Fire Axis do something different. Uh, Miles, did you see uh, Midnight Suns? Yeah, I checked this one out, actually. It's uh, one of the few that's on my radar. Um, I recently played uh, XCOM 2 uh, through to completion after not playing it for about three years. Um, and I'm really into them. I really like the games. Um, I think mechanically and conceptually, they just make very well fleshed out, very deep um, and rewarding games that are normally quite challenging. But, you know, you get a lot out of when you manage to overcome that challenge and you learn how to play those games well um so i'm hopeful that they're going to keep a lot of those kind of same ideas of it still being challenging but rewarding um, i think it's still going to be a kind of tactics rpg isn't it so i imagine it's going to have some similar kind of overlaps in terms of gameplay style but i'm actually quite glad from what you said sean that it's not actually going to be like xcom because i was under the impression it was just going to be like a squad based xcom game just with marvel characters thrown in instead um so i'm actually quite interested to see what they'll switch up what will be different um and it looks like you're going to have your own kind of fully customizable character um that gets thrown in with all of the recognizable faces so yeah i'm really interested in this one i'll be keeping tabs on it and like sean i'll be very much excited for a gameplay reveal to see what the actual game looks like and then i'll kind of make my decision from there but i'm uh, cautiously optimistic with this one i think awesome very cool uh your mic sounds awesome by the way Mars. Oh, that's because I've stolen cats for this one. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> Hence why it works so much better. Okay. Um, we got a release date for Halo Infinite, finally! Uh, December the 8th, Halo Infinite is coming out. They also revealed a Halo Xbox Series X, which is currently sold out and currently for, available for £1,200 on eBay. Thanks, scalpers. And, of course, the Halo Infinite Elite Controller 2. I still won't pay £200 for a controller, no matter how much Halo they put on it. It's not happening, I'm afraid. But it does look very, very pretty. Other highlights, uh, Terminator, uh, Terminator? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. April O'Neil is going to be playable in that. It looks, still looks absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to play it. Um, Splitgate, this is a game I've been playing this week. I didn't realize it was on PlayStation. So I've, I've had a go. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, Season Zero uh, started on the day of Gamescom. Uh, so if you want to play a multiplayer with a multiplayer shooter with portals, go and check it out. Splitgate is a lot of fun. Um, we had a trade of a Lego Star Wars to Skywalker Saga. It's actually happening again. Spring 2022. Sean, are we still hyped for Lego Star Wars? It's been a long time since the Lego game, isn't it? Holy shit, it's been too long, man. Withdrawals. <laughs> yeah, right. I've genuinely gone back and started playing Harry uh, Harry Potter Lego. The Lego Harry Potter season. Wow. I'm getting Jones in for a, for a TT game. <laughs> I, haven't heard, I haven't turned a platinum trophy on a, on a Lego game for like more than a year. And it's... it's it's genuinely very strange. <laughs> very strange. Oh man, yeah, that's uh, spring 2022. Um, we still don't have a firm release date. I need to ask you: Have you seen the special edition box art? I have the one with Darth Vader with the, the helmet that up. slides down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, it's yeah, good. it's guy. I know, I know. I haven't got a disc-based PS5. I can't buy it. Are you to me? <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. I might get it down the road, but uh, yeah, that will very much be a digital buy for me. But uh, yeah, I love that box. That box art. It's very, very cool. Um, we had a look at a game called DoKV. Now, did either of you guys see the trailer for this? Yes. Me and Toby absolutely freaking loved it. What did you think? I, I wanted to know what happened to my retinas once the trailer had finished. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it, was like staring, it. <laughs> it was like staring at the sun. Like, yeah, about five minutes afterwards, I was like seeing spots. <laughs> just, um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm 
interested in this game. I, I'm glad that, you know, is it Black Black Abyss, whatever they're called, the developers, they've they've changed it from an MMO into like a single player RPG. And I think that's like a really great thing because uh it looks it looks like it could be a decent Digimon style, Pokemon style thing mm-hmm. going forward. Um I think it's an obvious rip-off, but it's a really, really good one. So I'm just I'm just ha- it just looks so happy. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, we, it was such a joyous trailer. It went on for about, I think, five or six minutes. It felt like it anyway. But it was, uh, yeah, just just the happiest game I've ever seen. And, um, yeah. yeah, Toby was so hyped for it. Um, it, it, it was his favourite thing of course at the show. Because of course, course he was. was. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Just watched great. like uh, a minute of it, and literally my eyes are just can't even function now. It's <laughs> just so much colour. What is this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, me and Toes were like, I've no idea what's going on, but I'm excited. And uh, I think that was the point of the trailer. You know, no details, just look at this, get excited. See you later. <laughs> Give us your money, leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was the trailer. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the game is, uh, but yep, day one. <laughs> I want to be in that world. Um, Visually, it just looks fantastic. So, yeah, who knows? It's going to be it's going to be something. Um, I guess the other big announcement from the game to one that live was Horizon Forbidden West finally got a release date. That's 18th of February, 2022. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn also got a 60 frames per second patch, which you can download right now on PS5. If you do want to check it out, I have checked it out. Um, it adds checkerboard 4K and 60 FPS. It's exactly what the game needed. Oh, my goodness me, it looks so pretty. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn, 18th of February. It's not coming 2021. I think we all kind of knew this. Uh, but yeah, how do we feel about that uh, release date, Sean? Are we uh, satisfied? I mean, I, I, I would always be satisfied um, as long as it comes out and it's decent. I don't care if they keep delaying it as long as, you know, they don't put a, a, like an ironclad date on it and then push it back. Um, because they've always said like holiday 2021. You know, they've not they've never said it's coming out on this date. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm, you know, when they did that with The Last of Us Part Two, that was bullshit. Wasn't it? You know, it's definitely going out this date, but it's not. Um, yeah. So, and I'm just glad that they've they've now put a date on it. And fingers crossed, it comes out. Then, I'm just happy that they're getting time to develop it. I hope they're not crunching like crazy over Christmas. No. Um, but February is just getting way too stacked right now. Oh yeah, it is. And some games yeah. need to need to need to dive out of the way slightly. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, even yeah, uh, the Saints Row from before that's February 25th. Yeah, and Death not Death Stranding. Um, Sifu is 25th. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's like they, that month. I mean, is there any? I, I mean, maybe because of like the financial year style stuff, uh, you want to get it out before the end of March. Mm. But I mean, just just late by like two weeks, just get it into March, like early March. Uh, yeah, just, not, not necessarily Horizon, just just like get Sifu out of the way. Yeah, because it's just going to crush. It's just it's just going to be so so bad for because uh, you know that game is you know Horizon is going to be huge. It's going to be a mammoth game, mm-hmm. um, and it's going to be like one of those you know it takes over the industry for a couple of weeks. So yeah, it's just going to suck all the air out of the room. It may as well just you know move the other other games. Elden Ring, that's it. That's what's coming out around that time as well. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh my God. That's going to be a tough <laughs> month on my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything's getting pushed to 2022. Is that is that a COVID thing, do you think? Oh, yeah. People are just moving. And, you know, it's going to be a relatively quiet Christmas, but once 2022 comes around, it's going to be completely bonkers. Yeah, I think, I think that 
a lot of the stuff planned for this this year is going to be hit by COVID. You know, mm. I think what we got previously, so all these games have been coming out throughout the year. They've always already been through. And if you if you speak to developers, like the worst part of the development is because of COVID is like the end part, like polishing your game. And it used to be that you could have your QA team, you know, okay, I've got to find a bug and then you turn it to the developers and, and to, to production and they'd fix it or not fix it. And now it's more far more difficult because you, you're not on site and stuff. So developers are finding that just finishing the game, that end part is the hardest part to do remotely. So yeah, yeah. I can understand why a lot of these games are coming up to the end and going, eh, we're going to need a couple of moments. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I guess Lego Star Wars, as with Spring 2022, is going to be March, April time. God, it's got. It, it, I think I heard that it's going to come out before the next financial year. So, oh, so it'll be March. March then. Wow. Bloody hell. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yay, good times. Uh, Miles in, in in the house of Cat and Miles. Um, the, this release date was quite funny because Cat obviously is the biggest Horizon Zero Dawn fan in the entire world. I think that's and, a fair statement, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's fair. And this this release date got announced, and she's not going to be home for it. <laughs> yeah. Which you told us in the Slack. Yeah, she's actually away for I think that week. Um, so yeah, typical timing. I think she's uh, quite upset about that fact, but uh, I guess I'll just have to uh, play it while she's away. <laughs> oh, it's hard, isn't it? Eh? Oh, never mind. What a tough, li- what a tough life that must be. The <laughs> single one thing she's looking forward to more than anything else is like no. <laughs> Not today, Satan. <laughs> I might threaten to spoil it. I obviously wouldn't spoil it, but I might just threaten to, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Really mean. Uh, yeah, those were the. I suppose were the, those were like the massive things. Anything from the show that you saw that I haven't mentioned? That you a dragon game. You can ride a dragon, or you can be a dragon, and then you can get off the dragon and fight. I think it was. Was that one? Ah, uh, Century Age of Ashes. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, anything that's like a dragon, I'm in. Like I want it. <laughs> okay. Um, I my, my notes for that were dragons and shit. <laughs> yeah, that's all I need though. You just put dragons and shit, and that that's me. Like, just put my money down. But I think it's on Steam, isn't it? So I need to get a a Steam Deck so I can end up playing that. Um, you need to get a Steam Deck. You need to get an Xbox, man. You got an expensive year coming up. Well, I'm still hoping that the Steam Deck will uh, negate the need for an Xbox. And also sure. Jurassic World Evolution Two. Um, they oh yeah, the trailer for which I'm super excited for because I love the first one. Yeah, um, I'm sure you're a big fan of the first one, so you? Oh, me and Miles are so like gamer bros. Like, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, proper bonding over the same games. I love it. Yes, yes, I was a big fan of that one. Um, it's one of my proudest reviews because I think I got the point of the game how it's like completely impossible to cage all of this chaos. Yes, it always keeps breaking <laughs> down, and I feel like by the end of my review, I'd kind of got that across that like doesn't matter how well you build your park. You're still fucked. So, um, yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was Death Stranding director's cut because, yeah. um, Jesus Christ. I mean, he went on, you know, Jeff Keighley doing his Jeff Keighley thing. <laughs> but also, that content looks really good. And I think this is what I jump in. This is what oh, okay. I, I mean, quite literally, based on that trailer, those JetBlue <laughs> things look awesome. Catapult in. I I cannot even tell you how much I was like annoyed about the jet the jet boot thing because <laughs> if only I'd had had that when the original game came out, it would have made so many of my problems so much easier. Um, yeah, like the quality of life difference that it's going to make to the game having those items is actually quite substantial. Um, based on you know playing it originally, I just hope that it's not unlocked from the start. I'm sure they've added it as part of progression, but I feel like a big part of the the first half of the game is actually doing the 
the legwork. So hopefully they've just implemented it where you unlock all that stuff later on. Um, but yeah, the Catapult looks bloody awesome too. Sorry, mate. Screw you. I want the bike and I want those, the, the gliding boots right from you, the start. You need to earn them. You haven't trolled through all of that terrain like oh, I had to for 60 hours. You were there, man. You don't know. You don't know what it's like. <laughs> I also want to run over Jeff Keighley. So <laughs> put him in the catapult. That's it. Can't wait. I think they purposely made him a hologram so players don't just try to kill him every five seconds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can only interact with him. You can't shoot him or anything. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, September 24th, Death Stranding Director's Cup. I, I still can't get on board with it. I'm sorry. I just, I don't know. I'm losing my mind at this point at Kojima. And what the hell is a Kojima director? I know we've talked about it before, but... Just more it, Kojima. It, it would seem that like Kojima was given carte blanche to do whatever the hell he wanted. And now it's like, oh, this is more Kojima stuff. But what? Yeah, what was the yeah. first game then? <laughs> I, I feel. Oh, sorry, Sean. I, I I read somewhere that like the whole director's cut thing. He hates the fact that it's called the director's cut, sure. and that this wasn't his choice. Uh, but he was like, "This is the stuff that I couldn't actually fit in the first game, given time." That he, mm. that for whatever reason, he needed to hit the, the deadline that of the game, game release that he was given, and now he now he has. So, like. I'm okay. I'm on board with this. I was talking to Miles before um, the podcast about how I used to be so high on Kojima as a as a game creator. You know, early Metal Gear Solid, j- just literally, you know, it's Kojima, Kojima, Kojima. And I got a little bit older, and then like I started to maybe it's like not respecting my time as much. I think it was like around about Metal Gear Solid Four when I just started falling out of love with the guy because mm. Jesus Christ, those cutscenes and. You know, it, it, it's kind of now like I just want to give him another chance with Death Stranding. I know that I know the cutscenes are going to be insanely long. I just feel like it's time to, to fall back in love with Kojima again. I will say, compared to MGS4, you'll have a much better time with Death Stranding in that. So, my speed run of MGS4 I did back in the day was like three hours and 10 minutes or something. And if you play it with all the cutscenes, I think it's like 15 hours. Yeah. Um, whereas with Death Stranding, of I would say a vast chunk of my 60 hours, 70 hours in that game, probably about maybe kind of five, maybe up to 10 hours potentially was cutscenes. So like there's a lot more gameplay in terms of actually the difference is quite significant. It's just that there's a lot of like, he's changed it from cutscenes to having all these tiny little interactions for everything with like mini cutscenes. Yeah. So it's like when you're in the, the homestead bases, like, if you want to go for a shower, you have to like sit through all these cutscenes. And if you want to skip them, you have to skip like six of them at a time and you can't just skip all of them at once. So he's kind of moved from being like massive cutscenes to tiny little ones everywhere, but they're all skippable. It's just a pain in the ass to skip them. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm okay as long as it feels like I'm, I'm still playing the game rather than... Because Metal Gear Solid 4, I, at one point, I just put the controller down and when it came back later and I was still like... <laughs> It was, it was just, I, I don't want to watch this cutscene now. And it was on for so long as it was. So, you know, it's, so long as I still feel like I'm engaged in the game, because I just did not feel like with Metal Gear Solid 4. I had a friend who um, finished it and they finished it at like one o'clock in the morning. And I said to them before, I was like, <laughs> if you want to finish this game, do it in the morning. Don't bother doing it now because I kid you not, you will be up all night. And he's like, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> I messaged him in the morning. He was like, I was up until half three in the morning because the cutscenes just wouldn't end. And I was like, I told you, <laughs> they just don't end. It just keeps going. Yeah, Greg said that. He said I'd finished the game. And then it was like, I haven't finished the game. It's just still going. 
it's even after like the credits roll and then you get like another hour cutscene after that and i was like this is a joke this is just taking the make now bless him gotta love him love it yeah so that was that was pretty much uh one opening our life i mean it was a, it was a pretty good show i think all around um it didn't need to end on death stranding that was a really bad thing to end on it's bloody keely and his weird love for kojima which probably made that happen but uh yeah i i liked keely as a whole in the show he just kind of uh you know trailer 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 trailer, trailer. all good didn't mess around no long monologues about himself um until the very very end which i won't go into we went into on the uh the podcast before but god just fuck jeff keely anyway um it kind of brought in the conversation of digital shows uh themselves at the moment because obviously in the last year and a half we've had to as gamers kind of watch a lot of publishers and developers create their own shows and create digital events uh, rather than physical ones obviously for the obvious reasons and it's 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 getting to a point where i think that we might be uh might be a little bit ready to move on maybe e3 next year will hopefully be a physical event um physical events are slowly coming back uh gamescom is open a little bit it's kind of a hybrid of digital uh digital and live this year so uh sean as concerned of digital events so far where are you at the moment are you looking forward to kind of live events coming back or do you feel that the industry as a whole has done a good job of kind of like balancing the the need for events with being able to actually provide information to people? Um, last year, I was really high on digital events. I I thought they'd done a really great job of transitioning from, uh, oh, crap, we can't have people play our game and tell, talk about them to we're going to give you enough information to be able to know about our games through trailers and through these digital conferences which are like a collection of trailers and I think some places have done them much better than others but also now I feel like this year we've got to a point where it feels like people are trying to make money from them more than they are trying to overcome what what difficulties the industry is facing like I'll take the Xbox and the um, opening night live for example it makes no sense that Halo was in opening night live. I understand that Jeff Keighley was going to draw a big crowd, but also your primary audience for Halo is your Xbox gamer. And I know, you know, they obviously want to entice more people and that's why they paid to put it in opening night live. You have to pay to have your trailer there. And it felt like some of the stuff in that opening night live, like Buzz Simulator 21 i feel like they, they that was the wrong place for that trailer and i feel like jeff has obviously taken some money and not been able to like i've seen no one talking about buzzing related 21 because of its appearance in opening night live i feel like if you'd have put that that trailer in a different conference like tomorrow the the indie houses start so if you're listening to this today i think it's 5 p.m gmt um, there is a collection of indie publishers all coming together to make their own direct style digital showcase. I feel like if, if it had been there, you'd have, you'd have more likely caught the niche. But the chat when Bus Simulator 21 was on was trashing it. And I feel like he should have said no. Like, I feel like people like IGN, for example, the IGN showcase, I know, is taking money and is uh, they, they are giving people time slots and embargoes and things based on 
So developers wanted to talk about their game early and weren't able to because they'd entered into an agreement with IGN. <laughs> and it meant that IGN was showing their game, which is great because you get this big audience, but also why, why are IGN involved in this? Why have they decided to start taking money from developers to show off these trailers? It's to make money. And it just feels like it needs to be more centralized. There needs to be people who are doing this for the good of trying to overcome the, the fucking pandemic rather than trying to make a quick buck. And it, it, it pisses me off at this point. I feel like um, too many people are trying to make this into some kind of capitalist thing where, you know, we're going to, we're going to pump out our audience to IGN or Jeff Keighley's going to, you know, put all these trailers on. You need to pay 10 grand to be in this showcase or whatever. And it's like, can we not, can, can we, can we just, you know, I think about the Gorilla Collective, which was, you know, has, has done really great job. And I don't know how much they're charging or if they are charging, but they are indie devs, you know, coming together to put together a show, which are, are, are most likely to catch the attention of people who want indie games. And I just feel like th this Gamescom has, has kind of shown to light me, shown the light to me that there's, there's too many people trying to make money off this. And also, I feel like I am so ready for physical shows to come back because the the PR and the the effort that's being put into these things are so directed at people who are going to provide a particular part like type of coverage. So, for example, I I've been sent stuff where I've been told you need to sign an NDA for this because it's going to be shown in the show, showcase. We're going to send you a key and you can talk about it um, after this date. And I feel like I was only included in this because other people weren't. And if it was a show floor, if this was a physical place where I could turn up and sure, they have like press rooms and I could have organized a sit down gameplay in a white box room at the back of Gamescom, like I did a few years ago, went from room to room playing games that were then on the show floor a couple of days later. I could have done that. But also, if I didn't, if I was just turning up and wanted to be part of the press, I could have gone to the show show floor and played that game and written about my thoughts. That's missing now. That 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 element of word of mouth from people who aren't privileged and in, are inside this kind of press bubble. Like we we are kind of privileged to now. You know, it's it's taken what like ten years of trying, but we are privileged to some press things that happen. I feel like. The people that are outside that bubble don't get a chance now. You know, they have to cover the trailers when they go up. They don't get a pre-seed email. They don't get given the details about stuff that are going to happen. And I understand why, you know, they want these big surprises to happen. But it's for like tiny indie games that only 2,000 people are going to see. So I, I just feel like I, I am so very ready for physical um, conferences to come back. I hope everyone gets faxed so we can actually do this thing. And... Um, yeah. You know, roll on EGX because I just want to. I just want to. I I hate the bo. I hate the t-shirt cannons. I hate queuing, but I just cannot <laughs> wait to do all three of those things. I can't wait to stand next to some sweaty, massive man in a long queue and get t-shirts shot at me again. <laughs> <laughs> Can that just be the caption, please? <laughs> oh, mate, EGX is a is a wild thing. Um, yeah. Don't don't just win, do damage, Sean. Jesus Christ. How much of that stuff did I drink? <laughs> oh my god, man! I have no idea how you slept at all that night. 
I've never I've never seen someone that much fucking toxic energy drink in one day. Don't just win the damage. Oh god. I can't even remember that. that that energy drink's gone out of business, I believe. So yeah. probably because of how much we can Yeah, probably because you drank free ones all day long, twice a day. Yeah. Uh yeah. Well man. Uh Miles, where are you on uh digital conferences? Do you think there's been a good a good balance of triple A's and Indies across the board or do you think that they could have done a little more? I think the uh, the indie space has actually done much better in general. I think Microsoft Conference at E3 was good, um, but I just felt like there was this constant lack of like a spark or, you know, that kind of buzz that comes around. I know it can be a bit of a, a meme sometimes when the crowds at E3 can be a bit stupid or, you know, they kind of react to things which really aren't kind of reaction worthy, but it's quite clear that they're kind of doing it to try to, pump up a bit of buzz or whatever but i just felt there was something lacking this year of the kind of excitement and the hype which i always try to not buy in too much to hype on things that you know we haven't actually seen properly but there was just nothing really i found it was quite um quite reserved quite kind of held back in a way and i think some of the conferences really didn't help because they had so much fluff in them um i think it was that first conference we watched wasn't it and did the reaction to and it was just a torrid you know and when you get things being announced like cosmetic skins for a game or you know a random extra microtransaction and they're you know adding this as a proper you know highlight as part of their you know conference i just think you're kind of diluting down the actual excitement of the stuff that we're here to see um i like the fact that it was you know really accessible really easy to kind of see all the stuff that was shown and that you could just tune in and watch them you know anytime anywhere kind of thing and you can catching up was a lot easier i found too but yeah, I just found it just didn't quite generate the same kind of buzz for me. And I think there's an element of, you know, we've spoken about how Sony went there and some of the big studios didn't really appear or make an effort for it. Um, so I think it's all been quite dependent on, you know, the commitment of a lot of these organizations and studios and, you know, the big gaming industries to actually make it worth it. Um, and I'm not sure that's been quite there this time whereas in previous e3s that have been physical i feel like they've made a lot more effort to make it you know a big event and to make it worth people's time um so yeah i think although they've done pretty well at actually doing one you know during the pandemic um it's been quite interesting listening to what sean's been saying about you know the way that they've been monetizing it and the way that it's been kind of more cynically done i guess this year because i didn't really have that kind of insight on it before um but yeah it's just a kind of a lay person kind of person who just likes playing games and likes to kind of get excited for new things that are coming out i just found there wasn't a lot that got me really you know in tune with being excited for the next kind of few months to a year um and it kind of just felt like a lot of the big you know companies are kind of steering clear or not making as much effort um and yeah i could just could have done with a lot of less fluff and all that kind of junk in there that just wasn't exciting nor newsworthy it just felt like they were padding out time um, but overall, I think they've done an okay job, but I think, yeah, a lot could have been streamlined or done more efficiently and I would have been a much happier person with it. But yeah, not too bad mm. overall. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think everyone's done what they can. It's been a very bizarre situation that they they still need to get these products out, you know, and that's in some way that's what these events have done, have been able to let them do. I mean, as much as we shit on Jeff Keighley, he's been, a, he's been instrumental in actually getting the word out on games. Um, regardless of, you know, my personal feelings on the man, he's done, he's done a solid job of being able to, you know, reach out to people and say, look, we're having these events. You can have our game in this event. 
um, you know, give us some money or whatever, and they'll get it out there. And it's just, you know, I think that the industry has done well overall um, in terms of being able to work through a pandemic. And yeah, games aren't coming out as quickly as maybe we'd like. That's not a problem, really. Um, we understand the situations that they that all these studios have found themselves in. But it's um, it's it it's got to a point now where personally I really miss E3 and I miss those crazy announcements. I miss those Keanu Reeves moments, you know, the things that everyone just stops and goes, what the hell just happened? And I feel like we haven't had one of those for a long time. And I miss the crowd. I mean, there's nothing, I talk about it a lot, but there's nothing will ever be E3 2015 for me in terms of the the hype and the buzz. And that's a crowd that goes absolutely insane when PlayStation just gave them everything that they wanted. The dream list was that entire conference. And it was those moments that, you know, that give you goosebumps and go, man, I love this industry so much. There's so much joy in it. Um, and I feel like digital events, you know, they they can't, obviously can't muster that same kind of excitement because you feel like you're all watching it on your own rather than watching it with a massive crowd. And as as great as these shows are, they're 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 not E3 shows. And they know they're not E3 shows, you know, they're never gonna be able to balance it out. But I just hope next year we can finally watch live conferences again because live conferences are fantastic and they're all so much fun. I wish Sony would get off their fucking high horse and join back in with the fun. Um, because Sony conferences were always so entertaining. Um, it doesn't seem like they're even that bothered anymore. It seems like they're going to move on and carry on doing their own thing with the state of plays, which are nowhere near as exciting as they think they are. <laughs> and I just hope that I hope that as an in, as an industry we can remember what it means to do E3. And it was those moments, those live conference moments, that make everyone so excited. Um, that people don't seem to be engaging anymore the company seems to be moving away from live conferences and it's not just because of the pandemic it's because it's probably a lot cheaper and easier to do it on their own dime and just make a video and throw it out to twitter and that's it's kind of sad really i think it's kind of sad that those moments are going to be lost to time and you know if we had a reveal of like horizon of a bit west or the ps5 if that entire ps5 launch video was a conference it would have been absolutely epic it would have been an absolutely incredible event and obviously yeah that was right in the middle of the pandemic so that wasn't going to happen but if that was live if, if we had horizon forbidden west and the console and ratchet and clank and all of that just announced live it would have been a massive massive event that would have been so much fun to watch and it's just one of those things where you know the world is adjusting to the situation and I hope that my hope and pray is that next year, events return, Gamescom, E3, PAX West, all of the big ones, um, EGX comes proper back to England and we can get involved and, and like really enjoy those moments again, stay up till 2 a.m. watching PlayStation conferences. Um, I'm getting older now, but I do miss those things. I, I miss staying up and getting deep in the hype with everyone because those were just some of my favorite memories. And in terms of, you know, have they done a good job? I think they have done a good job. And I think, you know, there's no other way. There's, they couldn't have done anything else. I think that's that's the thing, you know. Smaller indie games, if you want to get your game out there, you've got to you've got to join the hype train. You've got to get on 
the various events. There were maybe there were too many events last uh, this this year. Um, it was difficult to keep up with all of them. Um, I think some of the shows that were like half an hour long could have been an hour long and they could have incorporated more games instead of watching yet another event. Um, I think Square Enix and Ubisoft need to stop doing their own events. Um, I remember Mars, me and you watching the Ubisoft event this year and it was it was underwhelming, wasn't oh, it, as a whole? Yeah, it was just, yeah, not great. And the Square Enix one was exactly the same. Yeah. And if they incorporate into one of the console manufacturer shows, maybe it would have been a little more exciting. You know, Guardians in a PlayStation show or an Xbox show, you know, it would have added more to the Xbox show. Xbox obviously did a fantastic job this this C3 um, and then just tanked at Gamescom. But, you know, there's only so much content they have to reveal, you know, and so, you know, we can't magically wish things up in their shows. And so, you know, I, I think third parties need to need to kind of slow it down a bit and throw their stuff into the big events, uh, the big console events, because those are the massive ones. You know, we're all going to watch the Xbox event. We're all going to watch PlayStation events. We're all going to watch Nintendo events. And so, you know, why not? Why not engage with that audience? You know, why? Um, you know, we were talking about time and, you know, Kojima games not being respectful of our time. And it's like all these events was just, it was just a time sink to watch all of them and to only really engage in a couple of things that they announced. And so if, yeah, a tightening up of third party shows or just remove them completely, uh, stick them into the big console events, because those are the ones that we want. We want to watch Xbox and PlayStation go toe to toe again, because that's always the fun part. And so I think that there's there is there is space for all of these things, and it needs to be they need to calm it down because like, you know watching all of these events, I think there was I think eleven or twelve this E three, and it was just it was just too much. It was overwhelming, and so yeah, that needs to be tightened up. Uh, but overall, I think the industry has done a very good job in engaging with this audience over the pandemic, and um, I look forward to hopefully. Big E3 is coming out uh, next year. Uh, Sean? Yeah, I just wanted to say that that's probably one of the positives about digital showcases is that we don't really need to stick it all on E3 or Gamescom anymore or, or Tokyo Game Show. You know, you look at what Wired did this year and what Nacon did. They waited until E3 had died down and waited, you know, several months before Gamescom and announced all that stuff in like a, their own direct. And they, they managed to hype them up to get, you know, 30-odd people, 30-odd thousand people watching them. Yeah. So, so, you know, it makes sense that you don't have to do these digital showcases around the, the traditional tentpole events that have kept the industry going all these years. If, if digital showcases are going to stick around, let's space them out. You know, we, we don't, and, you know, Sony are doing their own thing right now. They don't really care what game events are coming on. They're just going to do whatever they want to do. Everyone else should take the same tact. It'd be, it'd be great, you know. In two weeks' time, we could have, you know, a, a massive game revealing event that just appears. Mm. Yeah, could be great. Um, if uh, anybody, any developers out there, publishers want to get a hold of us, and for the uh, the Finger Guns Games Conference of 2022, <laughs> then yeah, just let us know. Just let us know. Let let us do our own event. Why not? It's ten grand if you want to be on the. Can't <laughs> <laughs> <Go> imagine. <laughs> Uh, 20 grand if you want the one more thing. That'd be great. Thank you very much. Yeah, that'd be nice. I'd love to do our own show. Yeah, how much fun would that be? Uh, right then, let's uh, move on to 
our favorite things. And this week we have gone for our favorite game trilogy. This is where we choose our favorite video games. And we tell you why we love them so much. So the favorite trilogy, Miles Thompson, you're up. So me and Sean had a slightly brief discussion about this beforehand of, are we allowed a trilogy that's part of like a series that goes on past that trilogy? So say for example, there's one, two, and three, and those are the trilogy we would want. And yes, then it goes on. of course. Yeah, we're allowed those, yeah. cool. Then mine's going to be Metal Gear Solid, one, two, and three. That's the straightforward. Um, Metal Gear Solid one kind of uh, defined a lot of what made the PS1 era so good. And I think, like we've kind of mentioned already with Kojima, that was kind of when his magic was all fresh and new. And actually he was really kind of groundbreaking with some of his things. And Metal Gear Solid 1, you know, really kind of changed what a game could be in terms of the, the 3D graphics and the level of depth of the story and the voice acting and the gameplay mechanics. And it's still a game that I can go back to now and play and still thoroughly enjoy. Um, and I still find new things in it, which, despite having completed it a few times now, um, still managed to surprise me. Um, Metal Gear Solid 2 was the one that brought me into the series, weirdly enough. Um, and it's probably still my favourite, even though it's probably not the best of the three. Um, I still, it still holds a really special place in my heart. And the kind of aspect of how he duped everybody by showing that it was going to be Snake that you're playing as, and then it ended up being Raiden, of course. But the level of depth of the game, I think I finished it about 18 times. I collected all the dog tags on every difficulty. You know, I, I went through hell and earth to kind of complete it as much as I could on everything. Um, and I just think the creativity and the kind of dead cell unit um, and the soundtrack was great and just everything about it was amazing. And Metal Gear Solid 3 was when he finally nailed the gameplay of it. So it went from just being a really nice kind of movie to watch with some really nice kind of gameplay mechanics to being an actual game, which had a lot to it and a lot of depth and i think gameplay wise other than metal gear solid 5 later down the line i think he really perfected that kind of that marrying of narrative story with the game itself so it was incredibly fun to play um the online mode was ridiculously good so back in the ps2 era you had to get the the network adapter that you had to kind of slam into the back of the box to actually make it go online um, and I remember investing in that and all I ever played on it was Metal Gear Online. I never played anything else on the PS2 uh, network. Um, but yeah, and that, that video game story is still one of the best. I think that for me is one of my favorites in any video game ever. I think just the way he captured the more personal feel of the characters in Big Boss and the boss and all the other um, characters that you find and come up against that that game really kind of provides the foundation for every game that came after that um and i think if you took metal gear solid 3 out of that series i just don't think anything else past that would have made sense or worked or whatever um and i feel like after that kojima maybe tried a little bit too hard to go in different directions and didn't quite recapture that um so yeah i think based on those three i think they're the best of the series for different reasons um, i love each of them dearly again for very different reasons but I just think as a three game package, it's just absolutely incredible. I don't think you could really go wrong with those, but you just have to accept Kojima's weirdness in playing them. So yeah, I settled on those three, but I also did consider for a while the Mass Effect trilogy as well, because I've recently replayed it and it is phenomenal, but I'm sticking with Metal Gear. Very cool. Yep. Great choice. Uh, Sean Davies, your favorite trilogy? Yeah, it's your trilogy. Of course. Um, it's, it's where Assassin's Creed kind of blew up and um, it's 
a trilogy of games that if you play them back now have dated horribly. Um, I'm, I've been playing through um, Revelations recently on the PS4 as, as the remake, and some of it is terrible. But at the time, <laughs> it is it it was it was fantastic. There was this open world set in a historic setting with really cool characters and this kind of sci-fi tinge to it with the you know precursed you know the the people that came before and you've got this abstergo future aspect going on it's it's so cool they've got very cool characters and but it's one of those games that really got me into open worlds you know that that just went sucky you know grand theft auto ones where you just you know every building shut you know the, the assassin's creed games kind of grew up alongside me and each one brought in new mechanics and if it wasn't for this, I probably wouldn't have been into like as as many assassins like like a action adventure games. Like I, f- I feel like these games are the precursor to stuff like the Arkham series, um, that you know built on a lot of the foundations that the the Assassin's Creed games started. And you know, as as revolutionary as you know some of the recent open world games have been in terms of design, like. Um, it, it feels like these were the basis for many of them. And yeah, that's why they are my favourite trilogy. Plus, Ezio Auditore is just fucking brilliant. Did you like the tower defence? You know, I, I did. This is, this is the... So did I. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> it. It's like one of those things that like, I go through these games and, and people are like, oh, I hated the future, like the... The future parts where you're in in you know the auditory mansion and i'm like i love that and they're like well i didn't like recruiting assassins and training them up and i'm like i love that they didn't like the tower defense i love that it's just little <laughs> little diversions to the to the gameplay that are like you know they they managed to fit so much into those games and i've always appreciated how those early assassin's creed games really respected the time period you know you look at the original assassin's creed game and it fit exactly along the timeline of people dying and the way that they died. You know, it, it was just, it was a fascinating kind of look at the way that at that time period. And then, you know, if, if you watch, there's a, there's a, um, a TV show on Netflix about the time period for Ezio Auditore, you know, the Italian, it's not the Borgia, whatever the family's name is. It, and it, it matches so much of what happened historically really well. And I'm just so happy. Obviously the Pope didn't get a fucking piece of Eden, but <laughs> or did he? Um, but you know, it just, it just those games just tickle the boxes for me. And I love my Assassin's Creed anyway, but yeah, that's my favorite trilogy. Sorry. What's that about yeah. now? But no, no, it's, um, it's a fantastic series. You know how much I love Ezio. And yeah. Um, yeah, I have nothing but love for two, Brotherhood and Revelations, particularly Brotherhood. Brotherhood's one of my favourite games, I think, of all time. I absolutely love it. And so, yeah. Yeah, that ending, just... Oh, magic. Need more Ezio. Ubisoft, bring him back somehow. Yes, please. And that'd be great. Uh, my favourite trilogy is... Uh, funny you mentioned, actually, it's the Arkham series. Um, I don't think I've loved games more. <laughs> Uh, I remember I loved Asylum so much. It was just an absolute masterclass in uh, design and mechanics. And I loved Mark Hamill's portrayal of the Joker in that. Um, I think City, I think, is better. 
I'm going to argue that now. I don't know if anyone agrees, but I think Arkham City was perhaps the better game. You were getting arguments about that, I don't think. Yeah, I'd agree too, to be fair. Nice. And uh, yeah, I loved it so much. I loved the, the, the selection of villains. I loved um, the concept of the game was really, really smart. And it was so, so much fun. When the remastered versions came out on the PS4, I blitzed through all of them again. And I fell in love with all of them all over again. And um, even Arkham Knight, I think going back to it now, I think it was such a shock at the beginning to finally get the Batmobile. And then it kind of used it as some kind of strategy tank. And it was such a it was such a, a whiplash of like, wait, what? That isn't what I wanted the Batmobile for. What's going on? Um, but going back to it, knowing that that's what it is, it's just really fun. It was the first game that I played on my uh, on the cloud. Actually, I wanted to test it out on my phone, and it's still it still rocks. It still rocks on a tiny mobile screen, and um, it holds up really well. And I love all of them uh, for different reasons. Arkham Knight was darker than I ever expected it to be. And I look forward to whatever it is Rocksteady do with Suicide Squad because um, it's been a long time since I've played a uh, a new Rocksteady game. It feels like it's been far too long since Arkham Knight. And so, yeah, I'm really happy with that whole series. I love it. Even Arkham Origins. I mean, it's not Rocksteady, I know, but um, the way that that kind of like interweaved into the story was uh, was fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, the Arkham series is brilliant and um especially with the, like, the all the stuff the riddler stuff i love the riddler stuff so much Do you know, the one thing that always got me about the riddler stuff especially in arkham knight was that like did nobody stop him setting all this up <laughs> yeah it's fair it makes like, no sense yeah like the, the arkham knight <laughs> stuff especially when you've got like you've got underground racetracks based in sewers and you're like did no one think that he was like like the guy's broken half of a sewer track just to set up a racetrack for Batman. <laughs> yeah. And no one was like, oh, my water's gone off today. I don't know what's going on. You <laughs> must have been seriously bankrolled to get like the construction crews down there to dig those out. Damn. Yeah, he's making the crosswords for the New Yorker, isn't he? That's what he's doing. That's, that's it. How he's, that's how he's making all his, ca- his cash. Yeah, yeah, it is It is bizarre when you look at it and go, who? Yeah, just, just accept the fact that, oh, Riddler's making tracks again. All right, then. I'll just leave him to it. <laughs> dear have you noticed that green question mark outside our front door <laughs> especially alone, Martha, that, it's not for you especially the ones that are like on like the side of the walls on like really iconic buildings of the city and they're like giant and really obvious to anybody it's like did nobody walk past that and go huh that looks weird that shouldn't be there <laughs> oh viral marketing i wonder what this is going to be <laughs> <laughs> yeah do i have to scan it with my phone <laughs> yeah 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 night is a uh, night is bonkers but yeah, it's great, and um, I can't wait to see more. I was going to say, I still remember from uh, is that Arkham Asylum where you have the is the scarecrow section where it like pretends to yeah. crash your console, and I just remember it happening and being like, "What in the hell is this?" And I genuinely thought my console had crashed. And I got really confused, and then it pulled a Metal Gear Solid one on me, and I was like, "Nice, I appreciate that. I love it." <laughs> Man, those scarecrow was really freaked me out. Yeah, that section is actually pretty intense. Yeah. Um, for a non-horror game, it pulls off a horror section pretty well. Um, yeah, going down to the morgue and seeing yeah, Wayne like and Martha there. Unz at the bag, don't you? Yeah. Like, pops out. And uh, right. I think I think Asylum's still one of my proudest Platinums as well because of the stupid challenge maps. Yeah, I was never a fan of the final battle with the Joker. Oh, yeah, in, that was a bit... In crazy. Asylum, yeah. 
Um, they they definitely got better as the series went on. But yeah, um, I remember. Yeah, I was like, oh, that that was kind of disappointing. Um, as an ending, but yeah, it was great as a whole. Yeah, I think I if you compare the it to like the final battle in uh, Arkham Knight, where it's against like Red Hood, and you have to use like all your different like equipment and stuff. And yeah, I think it's just much better done. They definitely got better at how to make a more climactic ending, didn't they? Yeah, for sure. They got better at everything, though, didn't they? Because you, you, you think about in like Arkham Knight, and it does not said enough about like how they really weaved the whole Joker in his brain aspect. Like into the whole storyline, you know, when you're in the clock tower and you're turning around, and the room just changes behind you as you're turning around. Mm-hmm. That was so good. Yeah, yeah. And okay. man bat appearing out of nowhere. <laughs> God Almighty, that the fucker. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, that got me. Yeah, me too. I yeah. even saw it on Twitter before. I saw, I saw it to the game too. I knew it was happening. I was like, God fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. It still happens anyway. Yeah, but it was cast so perfectly. Um, I think Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn were all, were all fantastic. And uh, even the DLC, I mean, the DLC for Arkham Knight wasn't amazing, but um, Harley's Revenge or Harley's Return or something, whatever it was, it was uh, it was like two hours, but it was a lot of fun. Absolutely bonkers. Getting right into the mindset of Harley Quinn was uh, thoroughly entertaining. All uh, right, then let's get into our recommendations. This is where we find something during the week that we want to share with you, the Finger Guns audience. Whether it be a game, a comic book, a TV show, a movie, a book, or just, you know, I don't know. I can't think of anything today. So <laughs> I'll start with uh, with uh, Miles Thompson. Mine's a movie this week. Um, so on my way back from watching The Stag Do in order to try to help myself stay human enough to actually look presentable in public, um, I watched The Magnificent Seven on Netflix. It's a Western with Chris Pratt and Denzel Washington and a couple other quite famous people. Has anyone watched um, Daredevil on Netflix? Yes. Uh, Wilson yes. Fisk, you know his actor? Yeah. Vincent uh, D'Onofrio. Yes, he's in it. He's brilliant. Um, and he's in this as well. And yeah, it's just a typical kind of Western action movie. So Denzel plays a uh, a law ranger, I think he is. Um, and there's a town that gets kind of besieged by a guy who wants to take it over because he wants to set up a mining company and kind of take all the resources from under them. Um, so Denzel kind of recruits seven gunslingers and they're all kind of nefarious characters with various different backgrounds and histories and they're all kind of ragtag team put together to go and basically take the town back and it leads to a, a nice 40-50 minute huge action sequence and it's pretty damn cool. Um, it was not particularly deep or surprising but you don't really want it to be if it's just going to be a fun kind of action western movie um and yeah i'd highly recommend it if you like westerns can't really go wrong um and yeah chris pratt is typical chris pratt in it i don't know if you guys like him or not but i think you find him quite amusing as an actor so the worst hollywood chris oh no (laughs) is he worse than chris pine of course he's worse than chris pine oh i don't know chris pine has made some questionable choices for sure (laughs) <laughs> one woman 1984 let's not talk about it still not watch that one I was yet. just going to say that Don't. I was just going to say one <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair play well at least he's not got you know that kind of movie on his record apparently uh, yeah I don't mind Chris Pratt he's fine he's just uh, you know, he's okay yeah 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 he's going to be part of Marvel for a while it looks like so I'm going to have to get used to his face regardless <laughs> I'm just going to have to suffer it a little longer yeah I like that movie a lot yeah it's a good it's a good recommendation for sure cool uh, Sean Davies 
my recommendation this week is a game, unsurprisingly. It's a game that I would, would really like to try and review if I ever get the time. Uh, but I, if I don't, I just want to mention it now. It's called T-30. And it came out last week, this week, as part of you know the Gamescom celebration. It dropped uh, during one of the streams, I think it was IGN's. Basically, it's a little city builder where you have 30 minutes in order to save as many people as possible because the world is about to end because meteorites are about to strike and destroy humanity. So basically, you you start with virtually nothing because the world has already been torn asunder by meteorites previously. And you have to build as many rockets as you can to get people off the planet. I've managed to run through once and I really fucked it up and humanity is now completely gone. But, you know, I'm going to, it's basically half an hour. That's, that's that's how long a loop of this game lasts. And you can play it as many times as you want. It's I think it's procedurally generated. So each each time you play the game, you get like a different, different setup. So you might have a better run at it next time. Um, I'm hoping to serve, like save some humanity this week. And uh, yeah, it's it's quirky. It's very cool. Great idea. Go and give it a look-see. That's my recommendation. Nice. I will. Uh, where is it available to? It's on PC on Steam. Sorry. Okay, cool. Nice. Good stuff. Uh, my recommendation is Psychonauts 2. It would have been my game of the week had I turned up on time. But uh, yeah, Psychonauts 2 is... Um, I'm absolutely loving it. It's an absolute banger of a video game. Um, it's been a while since I've played a platformer that feels very unique and very, very, very Tim Schafer. And it's uh, it's uh, got a fantastic uh, sort of comedic uh, narrative to it. And I found myself getting very sucked into it. Um, in terms of platforming, it's uh, really unique. Um, the opening kind of hour is just a fantastic, fantastically well-designed platformer. And um, I'm not hugely far into it, but I'm having a great time so far. And it's available on Xbox Game Pass, also available on PS4 and uh, PC. So if you want to check it out, I highly recommend Psychonauts 2. It's doing very well in the reviews. And so hopefully I can get a little bit further into it. And uh, yeah, see what's uh, see what's up because, yeah, having a great time with it thus far. So Psychonauts 2, check it out. Uh, Ready then. Sorry, Miles. I was going to say, you missed the opportunity to do it in the quiz. It was the only one I didn't get. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely missed the quiz. I feel like I could have. <laughs> yeah, don't take don't take his achievement. He did so well. I he did, did really well. Please. He did. He absolutely <laughs> smashed it. Well done. Yeah, well done for winning the quiz, Miles. Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna keep it though. Sean said I've got the highest score of any quiz so far. So you know, I'm taking it. <laughs> well done. Oh yeah, amazing stuff. I'm very. We're all so proud of you. Oh, thanks. Almost as proud as when you got the platinum on the Witch Academia VR Bream Racing. I think I might still be the only one who's got it. I don't know. I need to check, but it might still be there. Ooh, there's wow. a challenge, Sean. <laughs> I, was just saying, I was saying earlier, I need to get my VR clip hooked up for my PS5 because I requested it online and it hasn't been sent. So I uh, feel like I might have been left behind. Yeah. Um, I need to get it and get it all hooked up because there's so many VR games that I want to play right now. This a game come out, come out called Fragged. Which looks fucking brilliant. Oh yeah, that Does one looks look really, really cool. Yeah. yeah, I really need to play that on PSVR. So yes. <laughs> Are you playing your, your VR games on PS5, Miles, or PS4? Uh, I play them through my PS5. Okay, cool. So you got the little adapter. Yes. Yeah, it came through really quickly for me, actually. I think. Oh, sorry about that, Sean. Yeah, fingers crossed yeah. for you, Sean. <laughs> Sony will sort it hopefully. Fingers crossed. Uh, right then, let's get into. Okay, um, out this week with Mr. Sean Davies. 
Woohoo! Okay. Uh, this week we have Kiwi, which is coming out the day of this podcast going up. Uh, Kiwi. 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 It's Kiwi. I know you say Kiwi, but it's Kiwi. Kiwi? It's Key. It's K-E-Y-W-E. Yeah. Kiwi. Key. K-E-Y. Kiwi. Key. Kiwi. Yeah. As it's... in dorky. Exactly. Kiwi. <laughs> <laughs> this is so amusing to listen to. Okay. Crack on. <laughs> <laughs> okay um it's a game about birds <laughs> it's either kiwi or kiwi <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i feel like my brain's just rejected english i'm sorry because <laughs> it is definitely kiwi <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway um rustler also comes out today today if you're listening to this podcast uh, we talked about earlier song vian is hitting pc and xbox which looks like a very t- cool 2d style uh uh, souls like game uh, with mm. axes and stuff. Uh, Guts and Goals, which is like football but with baseball bats and colorful characters, that comes out on PC and consoles today. The Big Con, which looks like a very cool narrative game set in the 90s where you are a girl trying to steal money in order to save a video shop, that comes out today. Uh, Clid the Snail, which there is a preview on the website now. Unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be a review. Um, that hits all the consoles today. I think it's actually, I think it just comes out on PlayStation and PC. Um, the reviews already launched for that, looking pretty good. Uh, and that's it for today. So, on the first, we've got Lake, the narrative game about driving around as a delivery person in a very tranquil location with a quirky cast of characters. Uh, we've got El Shaddai Ascension of the Megaton, Metaton, um, which is finally coming to Steam after all these years. We have Opus, Echo of Starsong, which is something I've never heard of, but I've apparently it's very good. I've been told on Twitter today. Um, we have Rico London launching on the 2nd of September. Whoop, whoop. Woo! Uh, really looking forward to that one. Uh, looking forward to getting my ass kicked once again. <laughs> uh, we've got WRC 10 launching on PC and consoles on the 2nd. Uh, the Magister is launching on the 2nd. Uoni, the horror game which is pre- is currently out on playstation consoles is hitting xbox on the second uh surgeon simulator 2 access all areas is hitting pc and consoles on the second and so is bravely default sorry bravely default 2 is hitting pc on the second too on the third we've got golf club wasteland uh, which is coming out finally coming out on pc and consoles uh <laughs> big rumble boxing creed championships which looks like ready to rumble boxing, just worse. It's hitting Switch and PC on the third. Uh, the medium is finally coming out on the PlayStation Five on the third. And is is that not part of PlayStation Plus this month? Um, uh, no, yes. that was a that was a rumor that was uh, quashed. Oh, okay. oh, was it? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah right. that was uh, that was made up by someone. So no, medium's not on PS right. Plus this month. Okay, so the medium is coming out, and you'll have to purchase it. Sorry, um, and that's pretty much it for this week. There's nothing else until the seventh. All right, not bad. Looking forward to Rico. Oh man. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really glad that every other game has got out of the way for Rico. Just... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Song of Iron's really good. I played the demo for that uh, a while back. It's uh, yeah, it's very difficult, but it's uh, it looks fantastic and is well worth a look. Excellent news. I just seen it got a five out of five from a couple of decent, um, well-respected outlets in terms of review. So. Oh. I'm going to download that for the Xbox Series S, I think. 
fantastic. Yeah, but it's well worth it. Well worth it. All right, then, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the podcast. Thank you all very much indeed for listening. Don't forget, if you want to follow us, you can follow us absolutely everywhere. Just go to the link tree in the description below. Or if you want to follow us individually on Twitter, you can find our handles in the description below also. Um, if you really like what we do, why not follow our Patreon? For $1 a month, you can keep this podcast live on its various podcast hosting services and keep the website nice and shiny. But until next week, thank you very much indeed for listening. It is goodbye from Miles Thompson. Oh, well. Goodbye from Sean Davies. Bye. And it's goodbye from me. I've been Roscoe. We'll see you next time on the Finger Guns Podcast. <laughs>